When I was in Glasgow, I used to uh, go up to the Cathkin Braes, which were just five minutes from our house. The Cathkin Braes are uh, hills that just sit up uh, to the south of Glasgow. But when you go up there, you can go right out onto a ridge and you can look over the whole city. And I would go up there and I would pray over the city and uh, pray for the East End particularly because that's where we were located. Uh, but you could look over the whole city and it, it was always intriguing for me. I would look at the East End. I could identify that fairly easily. There was Celtic Park right in the East End of Glasgow and I could tell because our church was really just four or five hundred yards around the corner from Celtic Park and I could focus some prayer time there. And and then I would look and see the high-rise flats that circle uh, mostly in the east and then on the north side of the city. So that kind of gave us a, a little bit of idea of the the layout of the whole city. Then you could see to the south, Hamden Park. Uh, and uh, you could see some of the uh, lesser high-rise flats that were around that area. And then through the city centre, trying to work out which hotels were which and which buildings belonged to which companies. And I would pray for the city and I, I would pray for business. And I would pray for righteousness and justice in those places. And then you would move out towards the university, uh, to, to Glasgow University and to the library block that you can see just sticking up through all the ancient buildings of the university, the place where I went to study on level seven when I was studying theology at, at Glasgow University. And then out towards the west and then south again to the river and to Ibrooks, which I could never talk about in the east end of Glasgow, but there it was. But what struck me was all of the things that I missed. In all of my familiarity with the city and with the different places, it's not until you step up and look over that you realize there's so much that you miss. Green spaces all over the city. Parks, spare ground. Beauty, rivers, the Clyde. All kinds of things that you can't see unless you're sitting up and looking over to see the bigger picture. I remember the first time going up there being surprised at, at how it looked and how things were in relation to each other, different from the roads that I had driven and thought I understood when I was down on the ground. That big picture view. Well, when I came to Perth, I decided I would do the same thing. And there are hills all around Perth. And so I've been up to Canoole. I've been up to St. Magdalene's. I've been to Moncrief. And I've tried the same thing. I am a lot more confused about the layout of Perth than I am of Glasgow. But I am trying really hard. And so I'm doing the same thing. I'm, I'm trying to use the T as a kind of bordering to give me an idea, okay, what should be where? And, and then uh, the prison. So as I look at the prison and as I pray for those who are there and those who serve there, it helps me get my geography a little more in tow and in line. And then I can see the schools. Well, I think they're the schools on the hill. I'm pretty certain that they are the schools on the hill and I pray for them. And then the inches, where all kinds of activity happens and families 
and recreation takes place. And then the church spires that are in the city and are beginning to build up a sense of the people and of the place. And then um, the, the businesses, uh, the one that is, Steve, what was the company you used to work for up in the hill? Aviva. Aviva. I used to call it Norwich Union, but the, the Aviva. Up in the, I'm, I'm praying for the businesses that are in the city. All of these that we might not see from ground level, but when we look from above, we get a very different picture, a deep and wide picture of how everything works together and sits side by side. And we see bits that we've never noticed before. This morning, I'm asking a question. What is God up to? What is God doing? What does he do? And sometimes I think we have the same challenge as the challenge I have both in Glasgow and in Perth of trying to see the big picture. That when we're in our little bit, we don't necessarily comprehend unless we intentionally choose to see it, everything that God is doing in this wonderful creation of his. What is God up to? What is he doing? What is his mission among us and around us and beyond us? And I want to look at this question by delving a little bit into some New Testament and some Old Testament this morning. First of all, to Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 1 to 10. And even in these, this reading here just now, what, what we'll find is that some of these sections, some of the church get really well, but they forget the other pieces as well. And so I'm going to take you through this passage and then launch a little bit into the Old Testament to help us understand this question. What is God doing? So let's go. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. This is his greeting. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So a blessing over. That's why I use at the end of all my emails, grace and peace to you all from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he starts with a blessing. That's a good place to start when thinking about what God is doing. God, the God who blesses in grace and peace to us and over us. But then we go on. And this is, uh, if I was splitting this down and being a little bit um, stereotypical, this is the bit that the Pentecostals love. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And we get really excited about that. The Pentecostal in me uh, begins to erupt in praise and prayer about every spiritual blessing. And then it goes on, the holiness bit. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And all the Nazarenes and the Wesleyans and, you know, think that's their bag, whereas it's all over the place. We just haven't realized it yet. There's lots of holy people all over the place longing for the holiness of God in their lives. 
And then, and then there's the evangelicals bit that uh, we kind of have focused on almost to the exclusion of everything else that God is doing. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship or childship or childhood, whatever you want to call, through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, again, it's Jesus. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And if we were to pause just there, I've underlined all of this is Jesus, in him, in Christ, in Jesus, through Jesus Christ, in the one he loves, in him. It's all what God is doing and has been doing and is doing through Jesus. But what about this? What about this bit of what God is doing? And with all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us, this is really important, he made known to us the mystery of his will, what he's doing, according to his good pleasure, what he's doing is good, which he purposed in Christ, he's done this and is doing this in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to, say these words with me, all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Let's say that again together. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. All things. All things. This is the big picture mission of God. What is God up to? He's bringing unity to all things under Christ, bringing everything in all creation back under Christ and under and into unity once again. Harmony. All things. The restoration of all things. The restoration of creation and the restoration of humanity. In what I want to call, not because I've coined the phrase, but, well, because it's biblical, the shalom reign of the kingdom of God. What Ephesians 1.10 is talking about, this mystery that has been revealed to us, is the bringing of all things together back under Christ and the reign of the kingdom of God, which is a shalom reign, where everything sits in harmony and at peace. That's what God is doing. And so shalom is that sense in which we see in the opening pages of Scripture in Genesis that harmony between God and humanity. Everything being brought in unity back under Christ. The harmony of God and humanity, but also the harmony with humanity itself, with each other. Harmony amongst us, between us. And then harmony between humanity and all creation, and creation with us. This unity. 
and this creation in harmony with God. The shalom of all things. That is what God is up to. I used to, uh, during lockdown, uh, watch all kinds of restoration programs. Uh, I've never really been interested in cars until lockdown, and then I would, I would watch, I'd find myself watching restoration programs of old cars. It's fascinating. But we're, whether it's wheeler dealers or car SOS, even a little bit on the Grand Tour, but we're, we're, cars are taken and restored back to their former glory. Or, or my favorite is the home ones, the, the restoration of old homes. Uh, grand designs or the restoration man, homes under the hammer, those type of things. And what I love is the combination of love and determination to bring those old buildings back to their glory. That's what God's doing with humanity and all creation, in Christ, by the Spirit, with love and determination, bringing all things back to their glory in God. The redeeming of the old, but also the bringing in of the new. Hard work for those who are doing the restoration, responding to the unique realities of each of the buildings. I remember when we were doing, we bought a pub in Parkhead in, in Glasgow. Uh, the church brought a pub uh, and then we, we kind of did it up so that we could use it as a community base uh, for the local community out there. And when we were ripping things off, we discovered behind the plasterboard and decades of wallpaper, this incredible red brick wall. Now, now, we could have just decided to bring all of the new in in spite of the old and just cover it back up again. But what did we do? We left it exposed and we brought it back to its former glory. It's the highlight of the whole pub. Something of bringing the old and the new together into a new glory. That's what God is doing. In all kinds of ways, across creation and all of humanity. And when I think about the big picture of the story of God, it is one of loving restoration back to the shalom reign of the kingdom of God. God's longing to restore the harmony of shalom, of his original plan, as he responds to the unique realities of each generation. And that word shalom really means completeness, everything as it should be. And everything as it should be for all, not just for me. I'm all right. Oh, well, there must be shalom, not at all. If there's not shalom for all, I question whether there's shalom at all. For God's shalom, that shalom reign is intended to be for the renewing and restoring of all things. It's not selfish individualism. Ah, I feel the shalom of God. Isn't that nice for me? But it's understanding that that doesn't work. Instead, shalom is a way of living together with God in his beautiful creation. In a way that is not fragmented or broken or conflicted or isolating or separating. But where we're walking 
working to bring shalom unity across humanity and creation in and through Jesus. What does that look like, that shalom? Well, let me delve a little bit into the Old Testament uh, this morning to give us an idea. God is taking the people, his people into a new land, a promised land, a land that he said would be full of milk and honey. It's kind of like a picture of what God's new creation will be like. And he says this to them about this new beginning that they will have. I will grant shalom. I will grant peace in the land and you will lie down and no one will make you afraid. Shalom. I will give you shalom in the land. And as he gave them shalom, he also gave them a, a covenant with the law. Shalom on the basis of both God's side of the shalom covenant, but also theirs, what they were to do. And so if you go to Leviticus and you go to Leviticus chapter 17 through 25, God gives to them laws that were intended to bring shalom. Here are ways in which you should live in this beautiful creation, how you should take care of it, how you should live with one another so that you can live in this shalom reign with God. And so they would have a new land. And in this new land, the place in which God led them, they were to have abundance and blessing in store for them, just like Eden. But that's not enough. A move into the new land would mean nothing if the people themselves did not also live in new ways. So there was a new law that was given to them. It began something like this. God first. Worship him only. That's how it started. Then it moved on in this Leviticus 17.25 to look after the land spoke about farming and production and the environment and sustainable development and business and trade and justice and compassion and conflict resolution and legal matters. Did you know all of that is included in the shalom reign of God? Bringing all things back into unity with God under Christ? The shalom reign covers all of that as well. It talks about respect to others, how we treat one another, how we speak to them, and how we speak of them. Is that contributing to the shalom rule of God? It speaks of family relationships, relationships with our neighbors. It speaks of our physical and sexual relationships and what God says is shalom in all of those. It speaks of how we should respond to poverty and strangers and asylum seekers and refugees. That they should be both lawful but also hopeful for the poor and the stranger and the refugee. All of that is the shalom reign of God. It speaks of rest and Sabbath and the need for her to respect her bodies 
in a world that shouts, yeah, you're not enough as you are. All of this is the shalom rule of God. He speaks into all of these things so that he can bring them all back under his shalom rule. A new land with a new law and a new love. As they're about to enter into this land, we understand that the giver and the spirit of the law is love. God is present. Love prevails in all of this. It's not a law that is intended to steal love from us or joy or peace or hope. It's intended to give. It's the breath of love. This shalom rule and reign of God. Love prevails as it did in Eden. That love of God to his creation and that love of God to humanity and that love between Adam and Eve. Shalom is not brought about by laws but by relationships. Laws are important but this law is the law of love. And God, the God of love, is with them in this new land as they seek to live out his laws, his ways, this shalom reign with each other. And God invites them into those ways of his shalom reign. The spirit of that law is love. Love is the key. Even when the law is sometimes difficult for us, sometimes challenging, sometimes demanding, sometimes restricts what we can do or limit or warn us away from certain things or behaviors or practices. It all comes out of love. And it brings us to new life. The combination of all of these, the new land, the new law, the new love that they would experience would bring about new life. The new shalom life, just like Eden. There would be a restoring of patterns and rhythms of shalom in their society, in their homes, in their lives, for the well-being of the land and the people with God. This shalom reign is personal and it's communal and it's universal. It's personal with God within our own self and others in our close circle. It's communal. It's those interpersonal connections and relationships and places of influence and contribution that we make into the world. It's universal. It's comprehensive what God is doing. It is complete as he brings the whole cosmos, the whole creation, the whole universe, the whole earth, the whole of humanity in Christ, back under Christ and into shalom rain. Man, God is pretty busy in Christ and the Spirit, working with both love and determination for the creation he made, but bringing it into its new creation, the shalom reign of God. And if you were to jump into the prophets, and I'll just briefly skirt through this, you would find that what do the prophets warn us of? What do they speak to? They're challenging the fact that the people of God have disregarded the shalom reign of God. 
and the waves of that shalom reign. So, so the prophets speak to them about the fact that the shalom reign is not just over your religious life, you know, the temple and your worship and when you go there to offer your sacrifices or to be part of the people of God and worship. But the prophets are saying, the shalom reign of God has got to filter out into your business, into commerce, into your office, into your practice. The shalom reign of God has got to be brought about by righteousness and holiness and justice in how we operate. Are we generous in our work? Are we fair? Are we caring? Are we practicing justice and equality? The prophets will tell us about shalom in society. Those relationships, the family, the neighbors, the community. How are we doing in our relationships there? How are we bringing the shalom reign of Christ intentionally there to the city? What are the people of God doing in the city and in the nation? To bring the shalom rule of God to all of it. What does shalom look like in economics? And in equity for all. In the power dynamics that are at play in our society and culture. In leadership and in politics. In wealth and poor. And the gap that gets ever bigger. Where's the shalom there? Where's the shalom reign of God? The prophets speak about the shalom reign of God in ethics and morality. <coughs> God's shalom represents what David Bosch, who has written a ton on this stuff, seminal stuff, which David Bosch calls God's yes to the world, but also God's no to the world. There are ethics and morality in the shalom reign of God. God is saying yes for his creation and yes for his humanity. But because he's saying yes, he also has to say no. There are some things I did not create you for. And some of us might not like to hear that, but there is a God's no in our life because he loves us. Not just a God's yes. And shalom includes a redeemed ecology and environment, the stewarding of what God has given us, God's unfolding restoration in this new creation in Christ encompasses the stewardship and care of creation. That's what Paul means when he says, all things coming back in unity under Christ, the shalom reign of God and his kingdom. Restoring all that has been broken. Got some questions for you. In what ways is my life contributing to the shalom reign of God here and now on earth as it is in heaven? In what ways do I contribute to the shalom reign of God in my work? In what ways does my work contribute to the shalom reign of God? Or my school? Or my college? And what I do there? 
in my relationships or my family, in my neighbors? In what way am I establishing with Christ the shalom reign of God? In my town or city? How am I running my business or my department or my team? Does it bring the shalom reign of God? How does my social and recreational life, my spare time life also, contribute to the shalom reign of God? Do I even think in such terms? If this shalom reign of God is what God is up to, then what am I up to? If that's what he's doing. In our personal stories of redemption and salvation, and we've just had a series on testimony, and we heard personal testimonies from all kinds of people. It was amazing. It's a celebration of what God is doing in people's individual lives. But all our personal stories of redemption and salvation are subsumed, gathered in, under, and within God's much bigger and greater story of redemption. And his restoration of all things. And that's not to belittle our stories. I'm not doing that. It's not a belittling of our story. They are amazing. Instead, it's an awesome awareness of the bigness of God's story. And what he is doing. That God is doing much more. Of which we are to be a part. And we are to be about what God is doing. And T. Wright says it like this. Paul's great prayer at the opening of this Ephesian letter is a celebration of the larger story in which every single Christian story, every story of individual conversion, faith, spiritual life, obedience and hope is set. It's not that our individual stories aren't important, but they're set within a much wider story of what God is doing. Only by understanding and celebrating the larger story can we hope to understand everything that's going on in our own small stories and so observe God at work in and through our own lives. Friends, God is doing much more if only we could see it. And he wants to do much more through our lives as well in the bringing about the reign of shalom in the kingdom of God under Christ and the Spirit. Because that's what God is doing. Bringing all things back under his shalom reign. You've ever picked this up in Matthew's gospel? Just before Jesus gives his sermon on the Mount Law. He says this. That Jesus himself has come to fulfill the law and the prophets. And the gospels, they demonstrate what we see Jesus doing. Which is what his father is doing and saying. All that we just went over in the Old Testament about the law and the prophets. You read the Gospels. That's what Jesus was doing. In his coming, his incarnation. In his life and ministry and teaching. In his death and resurrection and ascension. It was all bringing about. Bringing all things back under. Restoring all things. Back under the shalom rule of Christ. The Father has sent the Son to reveal and establish this divine mission 
of restoring all things. And he does so in his birth, his life, his teaching, his ministry, as well as his death and resurrection and ascension. Now we're almost at the end of the story. If we were to step back on a hill and look and see what God is doing. But there's one more thing for this overarching picture of what God is doing, his mission of restoring all things back under his shalom reign. I don't know whether anyone has noticed, but in our new building in the foyer, we have two plaques. Uh, one plaque has a hymn on it. The other plaque has a verse of scripture on it. Anyone tell me what the verse of scripture is on the plaque? Peace be with you. That's part of it. John 20, 21. We chose this not because the building was completed in 2021. Although I did like the fact that it coincided. But because it says this. Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, so now I send you. We are about working with God to bring all things back under this shalom reign. That's what God's about, so that better be what we're about. Because in the same way God sent the Son, so now God is sending us to also live out and bring not just the message, but the way of shalom reign. We chose us very specifically for this generation at Trinity. That as Jesus comes to us in this generation, he breathes, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. Let me just give you the wider words. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for the fear of Jewish leaders, they, they, they didn't want to, to be out in the world. They were going to keep themselves to their own four walls. Church, that's not an option. It's not an option for us. So Jesus enters the four walls and expels them out. He does it first of all by saying, peace be with you. There's the blessing, peace and grace. And after this, he showed them his hands and his side, the sacrifice that he made, but it's got purpose. The reconciling, bringing of all things back under Christ and under the shalom reign of God. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so we have this amazing situation where not only has the Father sent the Son but now the Father and the Son are sending the Spirit so that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit can send the church into the world that with Christ we also will bring around the kingdom shalom rule of God here and now. Now I know that a day will come 
when Christ will return and everything will be put into place. But we are establishing with Christ now shalom reign of Christ. And what we say and how we live and what we do. Because this is what God is about now. He's already doing it. And he sends us to do it also. What is God up to? He's bringing everything back under Christ and a shalom rule. Will we join him? Will we get up above and see the big picture and be involved in what God is doing in and around our everyday lives? But also be involved in the streets and the neighborhoods and the offices and the workspaces and the schools where also we live in ways that represent and signpost the shalom rule of God. This is the mission of God. The Missional Church Network, I read this on their website. As the sent missionary people of God, the Missional Church, that is what we need to be, understands its fundamental purpose as being rooted in God's mission to restore and heal creation and to call people into a reconciled relationship with himself. All things under Christ and the shalom reign. Can you see it? Today's the beginning of a new series. And the series is called Missionize. That in everything we do, we're thinking about this bigger picture of what God's mission is to bring all things and restore things under the shalom reign of Christ. And so everything we see, everything we are part of, everything we participate on, we need to missionize it. Now, actually, I would have prepared, preferred to put E-Y-E-S at the end of it because I think we need mission eyes to, able, to be able to missionize our lives and what we do. But over the next, certainly three or four months, maybe six, to Easter next year, we're going to go on a journey about what does it mean to be under an end this shalom rule and reign of God. And how does it change us? So that we are missionized by God, by his mission. And that as we look around, everything we see, we missionize. What is God doing here? What is, what is God's reign and rule of shalom doing in this moment? Or what should or could God's reign and rule of shalom do in this moment? How do I bring, how do I evidence, how do I signpost, how do I point to, how do I live in this shalom bringing reign and rule of God? Missionize. So we are going to be missionized. Because God is doing. And we need to join what he's doing. I've asked Fred if he would come and Lead us in a moment, if the worship team could come and find their place, to lead us in a moment of response.